Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All righty, good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Monday morning. Welcome back to the work week and welcome to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman with a cast of hundreds, if not thousands. Casey, Paul, Elliot, Jake, good morning, men. Good morning, Tom. Tom, what's going on today with you? There's a lot going on. You guys all right? I'd say so. I'm doing great. Casey, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Good. Gentlemen, I mean, Elliot, you're already in the news. You put up, it's a sad day, it's a bad day, or whatever it is, and now all of a sudden, that's gone. I did delete, <laughs> I, I did delete the tweet. It is a sad day, it's a bad day. But we can get into it today. I didn't, I, that, how about that? I didn't want to spoil the, today's show. Fair enough, fair enough. Jake, everything all right? I'm having a great morning, Tom. You're getting ready to go back to I the am. University of Alabama. I am. The I Crimson am. Tide. One more week. Crimson Tide. You got to get Nick Saban on for us after you get down there. Yeah. I'll do my darndest. Why wouldn't he come on? I mean, I, it's like, it'd be like a bunch of softballs for the guy. <laughs> get your dad I on. I mean, that is questions. a leader of men. Yeah, it's, it's a like leader the, of men. It's like, it's like the first half of their schedule. Just easy, easy <laughs> stuff. Easy. They Texas, play easy enough tough Texas games. I'm never getting on Alabama about their schedule. Michigan's a different ball game, but Alabama, come on. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a to 12, P. and that's Eastern Time. You can join us. Just go to YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. I mean, what a homestand, right? A weird homestand. It began with five straight losses, including three against the Brewers. No hitting, bad base running, bad fundamentals. And then something happened. The old Todd Rundgren album, something, anything happened. They started to hit. They continued to pitch a little bit. The fundamentals tightened up. And before you know it, the Reds rip off five straight wins to close out the homestand and now have some momentum, although I'm not buying that as much as most people do, rolling into their series in Milwaukee. Momentum is the starting pitcher the next day. That's momentum. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Friday night with the D-backs in town, you had rookie Matt McClain clubs his first career Grand Slam 9-6 win. Saturday, T.J. Friedel, McClain, and Jake Fraley hit back-to-back-to-back home runs in a three-run six, winning 4-2. Really good pitching from Brandon Williamson. And then yesterday, the ever-so-quiet bat of Ellie De La Cruz came alive. With a leadoff home run in the first, they broke a tie with a run in the sixth and then tack on three in the eighth and complete the sweep of Arizona 7-3 yesterday. The only negative, the only negative, the bullpen had to pitch nearly half the innings over the three-game set. They pitched 13 of 27 innings. So now it's round two, or actually round three, if you will, with the Brewers. Just before the break, first series after the break, and now, a team that leads Cincinnati by just a half game in the NL Central. The Brewers have beaten the Reds five times in those last six meetings and lead the season series 8-2. to two. Graham Ashcraft gets a ball in game one tonight against Colin Ray. Andrew Abbott against Corbin Burns tomorrow. Then Ben Lively, Freddie Peralta on Wednesday. The television voice of the Milwaukee Brewers, Jeff Levering will join us at 11 o'clock to preview the series. 
Congratulations to former Red Scott Rowland and slugger Freddie McGriff, both inducted into baseball's Hall of Fame yesterday. John Lowe from Detroit was inducted into the writer's wing, and longtime Cubs broadcaster Pat Hughes enters the broadcast wing. Congratulations, men. In soccer, here we go. Yet another season to follow. A thriller for FC Cincinnati in the opening round of what is called the League's Cup. It's the first time they've ever played this. So you have the MLS season, which doesn't start again until 2028. You have the Lamar Hunt Open, which doesn't play again until, is that 26? Sure. And then, of course, you have now this. It was 3-3 at the end of regulation before FCC last night prevails in penalty kicks over Sporting Kansas City. Next up, a Mexican club powerhouse from Guadalajara. That'll be on Thursday night at TQL Stadium. A win there, and they advance to the knockout round of this league's cup. Casey? Yes, You Bob. must be a hell of a lot smarter than anybody in this room to be able to follow three different seasons at one time. Well, Tom, the key to that is just not knowing what's actually going on. Like if you're actually watching MLS game or not, um, sometimes you just get lucky and you're like, oh, that was a in the season game. And sometimes <laughs> it's, uh, you're just watching for the enjoyment of soccer. You're just going to be along for the ride, sounds like. Right, Casey? Yeah, yeah. You're just That's along right. for the ride. And let me tell you, last night was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yes, great game. Great game. Great game. It came down to just a spectacular play by our star player, uh, Acosta. He's just – he's not talked about enough, especially in this city. That's right, um, he, he just he's, – he's there when you need him all the time. Um, it's a shame that his number's not number nine because then we would have three great number nines here in Cincinnati. But MM9. MM9. That's your guy. And Joe Burrow, JB9. But – Tom, JB9. This FC team, we're not going to we're not going to be on this for very long, but this FC team needs to learn how to play clean soccer yeah. early. They can't get down 0 and 2 and expect to win a game. They they can't keep doing that. It, and it was rough. Haglin looked terrible last night. I mean, he's Hey, whoa. He's, watch your mouth, brother. He, he looked watch terrible. Watch your mouth. He looked terrible. I mean, he he, had, he scored the own goal. Like he, I, well, he okay, all right. Pretty much playing for right. Kansas City. All right. Let me ask you a serious question for yeah. a second, because you know we, we look, we joke around a lot um, about this whole soccer thing and how players can be with your team and then disappear. They sign with another team in the middle of the year over in Europe somewhere. And I'm being very serious, not sarcastic, when I ask this question. With the kind of year that Acosta is having. Right? Yes. And he was just named the MLS Player of the Month. Yep. Okay. Why has this guy not been signed by a European team? I, I would venture to say it's probably age and size. Um, it is incredible how small he is. Yeah. Like, he, I've, I've stood next to him before. It is incredible how small this guy is. He's probably all of 5'8", Tom. Like, he's very small. Um, very good with his feet. But because of the size issue, he's not super fast. But, man, he, he knows how to put a ball exactly where he wants it. And it's almost about every darn time he has the ball. He 
just passes it right in between three guys and boom, easy, easy shot on goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Acosta's got a size and an age issue that I just don't think other leagues will want to uh, give him a chance. And because okay. this is not, you know. I guess he played yeah. in uh, Mexico before he came here. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, in the Women's World Cup, Team USA shut out Vietnam in the opening round Friday night. The U.S. faces the Netherlands in group play on Wednesday. And golf, if I heard it once over the weekend, heard it 50 times, that Brian Harmon would fade sooner or later at the Open. The 26th-ranked player in the world took command on day one, shot five under day two, just kept on rolling. Finished off his first major title with a one-under par round yesterday. He beat four others, including Jason Day and John Rahm, by a whopping six shots. The Bengals officially opened training camp in three days. And despite the fact that Joe Burrow doesn't have a new contract, you don't have to worry about him holding out, right? He showed up ready to go yesterday for a workout at the team's practice facility. He said he won't talk about the contract negotiations publicly. That's between him and the Bengals, period end. Justin Herbert left a little wiggle room there. Would he sit out without a new deal? The Kansas City Chiefs have already started trading camp, and it is not off to a good start. Pro Bowl defensive lineman Chris Jones is a no-show. He, too, looking for a new deal and says the two sides are far apart. Meanwhile, wide receiver Kadarius Toney left practice yesterday with a knee injury. He was just out fielding punts before practice even started. How serious it is will be determined later today. Matt Lane from the Kansas City Sports Network will join us at 1130 with the very latest. All right, boys. Um, let's start with the Reds. Before we get to the big story, which is that of Jonathan India. Let's talk about the Red Legs in this homestand. I mean, that's as weird a homestand as you can get. It really is. You look terrible against the Brewers, right? Couldn't do anything. Couldn't hit. You, you, you got guys getting picked off against the Giants. Your fundamentals, you're throwing to the wrong base. You lose a suspended game. You lose the next game. And it's 0-5. And you still had two more against the Giants, three against a decent, decent Arizona team coming into town. And you win five in a row, right? Well, Tom, remember what I said going into that San Francisco series when we were standing here. I said they'd win. I said they'd go three and one against the Giants. They went two and two, but they lost to the Brewers, and you know everybody was freaking out. Everybody was panicking, and I'm like, look, everybody, all they've done all season is bounce back when they've hit adversity. That's all they've done. Yep. And that's why I was trying to say before that Brewers series that hey, look, if things don't go that well. It's not the end of the world. They were four and a half games back of the Giants in the wild card five days ago, and now they lead the wild card by a half game. Not only are they in the wild card spot, they are up a half a game in the wild card standings. Like again, I'm not, I'm not saying this. This Milwaukee series obviously has a little more cachet to it tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday because it's the last time they play the Brewers. So it's the last time to really make a statement. You're going into the trade deadline. This one's got a little more punch to it because, again, if the Reds get run over this week, 
if they're just a doormat for the Brewers up there in Milwaukee like they have been, then to me that's a little concerning because the guys clearly understand the importance of it. The team clearly understands that they need to go up there and assert themselves. The way they're playing right now would indicate to you that they're probably going to play better than they did last week because they're hitting the ball better than they were. They're pitching a whole lot better than they have been. Now, granted, they pitched really well in that Milwaukee series. I mean, to lose consecutive games, granted, bookending the All-Star break, but consecutive games won nothing. I mean, you got to score one run to win the game anyway, so it's not like you can complain about the pitching. From that perspective, I mean, Milwaukee is, what is it? The, the Brewers are 6-1-1. One and one. In their last eight series, you know, they're they're playing very well, but they're also susceptible to, to going out there and laying an egg every once in a while. And the Reds need to see if they can get them to lay three eggs in a row here this week because going two and one against the Brewers, going, you know, one and two out of these three, again, you just don't want to be the doormat. But if they go one and two, I'm not going to sit here and freak out. No. You still no. got almost 60 games left in the season after that, and you don't have to play them again. Take it for good or bad. Some of the people in the chat already on me for dismissing Arizona. Look, they came in 11 games over 500. Does that look like a team to you that's going to finish 11 over? Seriously. I think, yeah, I think Arizona's a pretty good team. Uh, 11 over, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't, you know. I like Arizona a lot this year. Their pitching's been good. They're one through six, and the lineup's been really good. Uh, but I do agree with Tom. I think that division, the NOS is just a brutal division. I think they're going to tail off. But it's, I don't think it's a knock on Arizona as no. much as it is. Um, how, I, I think the story is how good the Reds played because the starting pitching for the Reds has been phenomenal as of late, and, I, and obviously that's been, that's been the issue all season long. So if this, if this were to continue, if this trend were to continue where four out of the five starters per week and then the fifth is Dream Weaver, there's a good chance the Reds are going to be winning some games here. But to, to Paul's point, this Brewers series, I don't, even, I don't even want to beat the Brewers for the standings. I want to beat the Brewers just to prove that I know we can beat the Brewers at some point. Yeah. Because it's going to be a time where maybe in the playoffs even, first round of the, the postseason, where you're playing Milwaukee. And I don't, I don't love what I've been seeing from the Reds against Milwaukee this season at all. So I just want I want it to be a competitive series, keep it close. If we lose one, two to one, one nothing, two out of the three games, fine. But I, I would like the Reds to, to to win this series just to prove that they can do it. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean what what's the record against the Brewers this year? It's like two and eight or something two and like eight. that. I mean that's you can't do that when you're playing. I don't care if you play them again later in this year or not. The thought of winning the division with a 3-10 and 10 record against the Brewers still just doesn't make me feel right. So I think going to Milwaukee and winning this series gives a massive boost to this team the rest of the year. See, th th this gets back what I was talking to about Arizona, and I was talking about uh, the Giants, okay? And, and again, this gets back to, and a lot of people got on my case when I said expectations have changed around here. If your direct competition for the wild card as it sits right now are the last two teams you just got finished playing, do you mean to tell me if the Reds play the Diamondbacks or the Reds play the Giants or the Reds play the Marlins, you don't think that they should beat those teams in the first round of a playoff series? 
I mean, are you kidding me? The Reds' talent is so far superior to any of those three teams. It's insane. Now, the Reds are wildly inconsistent. We've seen them win 12 in a row. We've seen them lose six in a row. Okay? We know that. But this is why I continue to say it will be a disappointment if this team does not win at least one series in the postseason. Obviously, that means getting in the postseason. But, I mean, come on. Come on. You just watch the Diamondbacks. You just watch the Giants. Okay? The Giants series, they should have won three out of four. If Ellie doesn't fall asleep out there at second base, they win that first game. Right? Yep. The suspended game. They're better than the Giants. Right? Especially if you go into a playoff series where you have Ashcraft and Abbott. Now, granted, Gallon didn't pitch in a series. Ferris, okay, that's fine. Merrill Kelly's on the IL as well. Yep. He's, he's hurt. So you can't count him. All right? Just like we're not going to count Green and Lodolo. But I'm saying right now, the way Williamson is pitching, right now, if the Reds went into a best of five or best of seven playoff series against the Diamondbacks or the Giants, or the Marlins, and you can line up Ashcraft, Abbott, and Williamson. I'll take my chances and like my chances. I agree, but I, I do think that there is a point to, that, like, good team. Like, there are still good teams without being like, you know, World Series contenders. And I think that's what they are. I think they're competitive teams, and obviously they've shown that they can win a lot of games. The Giants and the Diamondbacks. And I, I do think the Reds, to to Tom's point. The Reds are just better than them. I, I, I think there's, it's no knock on the Diamondbacks or Giants. They're good, they're good baseball teams. But I do think the Reds beat the Giants in a five-game series. I think the Reds beat the Marlins in a five-game series. I think the Reds should beat just about anybody in a five-game series outside of Los Angeles and Atlanta. Yeah, I tell you, I read an article on the, uh, the Dodgers, and of course the Reds are going to go there after this series in Milwaukee. I mean to tell you, uh, and, and we've talked about it on the show, but to read it in print, they just got Urias back in their starting rotation. They have four guys in that rotation that I can promise you, unless you're just a hardcore Dodger or baseball fan, you have never heard of any of them. And they are rolling. They had five starting pitchers on the injured list at one time, and they just got one of those five back. Clayton Kershaw was supposed to pitch a simulated game. Now that's been backed up. But we'll talk more about the Dodgers on Friday uh, in that series. Tom, we're talking about the rest of the division, and you're looking at how the Reds stack up right now. They're a half game back of the Brewers. You have the Cubs hanging around. The Pirates are a non-factor anymore. But the one team that we've talked a lot about on this show over the last couple of months is the St. Louis Cardinals and how much talent they have on this team and could they potentially make a run here as you get into the end of the season. And, you know, we sit around and we say, oh, the Cardinals devil magic or the Cardinals, the Cardinals, the Cardinals. Are they going to end up doing anything? Well, the other day when the Cardinals had won, what, five, six games in a row and it's starting to look like they're playing baseball, not just whacking it around or whatever they were doing for the first two or three months of the season. I went to the baseball reference page and I'm starting to I'm starting to kind of dive in a little bit and you're looking at it and you're saying, OK, well, in the month of July, the Cardinals, they're 14 and nine. 
In there, they have a one, two, three, four, five, six game winning streak. They won eight out of nine at one point. They won nine out of 11. In the month of July, they have lost a game and a half in the standings. So even though they are playing as well as they were playing, now they have lost their last three in a row. The Cubs got their last three. They went, the Cardinals went one and three in Chicago. But just to kind of put into perspective what we're talking about here with the Cardinals, they're not a factor. They're playing their best baseball of the season, and they've lost a game and a half in the standings. Yeah. And, if, and, and, general, and their president of baseball operations, John Moselock, has already said they're, they're wheeling and dealing soon. And the countdown is on, by the way, boys. Right. We got to six days left up until the trade deadline. You know, now Nick Kirby says, hey, Tom, I think you're drastically undervaluing these teams, talking about the Diamondbacks and the Giants. As you face the Diamondbacks, you go against Gallon and Kelly in games one and two. I'm not counting Kelly. He's out. He's hurt. And I've said a thousand times, I don't believe anybody. I don't believe any of them when they tell me how serious the guy's hurt. I don't believe it. When a guy's back pitching for the team, I'll believe it. Until then, dead man. Giants, Webb and Cobb. I said before, Webb, to me, looks like the best pitcher in the league. I really do. He, he is one impressive. Cobb, he's having a good year. Do I think he's better than Abbott? Do I think he's better than Ashcraft? I don't. I don't. If you want to call it a wash, call it a wash. Um, there was nothing at all that impressed me over. The, and now it's, it's unfair to judge it on a three-game series. Because let's be honest about it. If, if you saw the Reds in their six-game losing streak, you would say, man, what's, what's, the, what's all the hype about? If you were the Brewers last week and you were just some team from the NL West, and that's the only three-game series you face the Reds, right? You would think, are you kidding? All this hype, De La Cruz, McLean, Steer, all these guys. And they got shut out twice. So, I don't want to put all my eggs in that one basket that I'm writing off the Diamondbacks or the Giants. I'm just saying I think the Reds are better than those two teams. All right, a couple things here. You know one guy we don't talk enough about after I watched more over the weekend? The one guy I think that is the most overlooked player on this team, despite the fact that he's right there at the top in virtually every category they have. He's the best clutch hitter they have on a team is Jake Fraley. And everybody wants him replaced by Benson. Yeah, I, I, I think in, Jake Fraley has been phenomenal. That The trade that we got to, to <laughs> Jake Fraley for Suarez and Winker, one of the, one of the best trades, and it wasn't even like a top three trade. But his, his value is incredible. I, I think... He is going to be traded at the deadline, Tom. I do believe that. I, I, I don't want it to happen, but against a right-handed pitcher, he is in the best of the, best in the league. So why would you trade him? For pitching. I think Jake Fraley is really the only player on this team. When you're talking about India, you're talking about Fraley, you're talking about maybe Stevenson or some of these guys. Who has the most value right now overall? Probably Jake Fraley. Maybe Jake Fraley, India, yeah. depending on what a team sees in them or what they need. But 
Jake Fraley is, has been having a heck of a year. Yeah, I'd be shocked if Jake Fraley's on this team in the first week of August after the trade deadline. I Really? really? Would. I really would. I mean, he, we have, like, I mean, I'm not banging the table to replace him or trade him. I don't think we should go out looking for that. But a, a bat in the top, you know, an elite tier in the league against right-handed pitching is, is what exactly what teams want and exactly what teams are willing to pay for at the trade deadline. And, and if we can move him, again, we got him in a trade for Suarez and Winker with, with Brandon Williamson. Like, that was a great trade. If we can trade him for even more when we have guys like Will Benson, I think I would take the, take the opportunity. I mean, Benson looks like a totally different guy. This isn't breaking news here. Since he started the season with a major league club, looks like a totally different guy. There's no doubt about it. But, man, Fraley has... He has as many big hits, if not more big hits, than anybody on this team. Um, look, I'm all for wheeling and dealing. But now it brings us to India. And big story today, right? What's this dude's name? Mark Feinsand, is that it? Yes, Mark Feinsand. He uh, is an MLB Network insider. And he says that the Reds have made it known. He wrote this today out on Twitter, which is about to be called X, right? Mm, yeah. Big black X. That's right. The bird has flown away. Another Elon special. That's now right. We just call Twitter X. That's right. Uh, but uh, Mark Feinsand says that the Reds have told teams, other teams, that they are willing to trade the 2021 National League Rookie of the Year and their starting second baseman. Jonathan, India. Are you guys buying that? Boy, that's a hot-button topic I brought up last week. I don't get all the hate on India. I don't get it. He's like a lot of other guys. They have their deficiencies. Since the All-Star break, he's been a better hitter than Ellie De La Cruz. Now, I'm not sitting here comparing the two on which one you would move. That would be idiocy. But... Jonathan India, since the All-Star break, has swung the bat very, very well. Right? So why all the hate on India? Do you think there's something to this team considering? Do you really see the Reds on August 1st without India and Fraley? No. For I, real? Uh, no, no I, I, yeah. I, I don't think both of them. I think one of them. Correct. But I, I, I think in, India has lost his spot. It's Jake, to Jacob's credit... He's been saying it uh, for, I don't know, a month now. But it's India's lo losing his spot. You know, you have Cam Collier in the wings. You have Arroyo. Who else do you have? Noel V. Marte's killing Noel V. Marte, AAA. We have eight middle infielders, and Jonathan India is by far the worst one. And I don't like to say that. It's just, the, it's just true, right? I, my, my issue with all of this has been every Reds fan in this city called for India's head three weeks into the year. And I, I don't. I didn't understand the rush. I didn't. I, I don't understand why you would rush to get a guy out for a guy that maybe might not be as good as him. I'm being proven wrong with all the prospects coming up quickly again. But I, I think next year, long term, India is losing his spot. I would trade Jonathan India for a starting pitcher. I think the the tweet said uh, controllable young starter. That's what the tweet said. If we can get that in return, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. If it's, for a, if it's for a middle infield prospect, don't do it. Don't waste my time. I'm 100% on the same spot as that. Like, you're not trading, you're not trading Jonathan India for some 
infield prospect, even outfield. You're, you're trading him for some sort of controllable starting pitching, which yep. is exactly what Mark was talking about in that tweet. And, you know, between the two, I would rather see India traded than Fraley traded with the way Fraley's playing right now. Wouldn't be shocked if Fraley was, was, was dished, but... Who do you think is more valuable, Fraley or India? It's, it's, Jake, Fra- it's, it's Fraley. Jake Fraley. It's Fraley. By sizable margin. You, I, mean, you, I mean, like, trade value. Is he more valuable? No, I think Jonathan India is more valuable in the trade market. Gotcha. Yeah, because he's a, he's a controllable player for, for, what, three more years, I think. And he's younger. This is his third year. You control him for six. And I say control him. You know, salary arbitration. The guy's not, he's going to go through the roof. Uh, at the end of this year in arbitration, India will. Would you guys not trade India for a, a relief pitcher? I, I think this team would, would use would benefit greatly from a, a relief a top pitcher. End. I tell you, I was really bothered by I was really bothered by the deal that the uh, the Orioles and the A's made. For, I don't know if you guys saw that over the weekend. So right. I mean, now if you look at this guy's numbers and his ERA's eight something, right? Starts a year as a starter, did not go well, moved into the bullpen. Had a couple of terrible games. And we all know as a reliever, with, with a low number of innings, if you have one or two blow-ups, it haunts you all year long. But now all of a sudden, this guy over the last two months, he throws 102 miles an hour. This guy over the last two months, his ERA is in a low threes. And when people say you got to give up, you know, the kitchen sink to get somebody who's decent, right? They gave up a guy who's 27 years old, the Orioles did. To get a guy that they're looking at pitching in their seventh inning. Would you like yeah. to see a guy that could help out your boy Ian Jabot a little bit? I who just continues to roll, by the way. <laughs> but would you rather see that guy than Derek Law? Would you rather see that guy than Fernando Cruz? I, I, I would lo- have loved Fujinami, especially for the package they gave up. I mean, in his last 15 games, his ERA is 2.9. I mean, he absolutely deals. And, and advanced metrics love his stuff, love his spin rate. I mean, he's young. I, I would have loved to have a pitcher like him, especially for that package. But you never know. You know, the Orioles have been wheeling and dealing for years. They probably had something in the works there for a long time. So I don't know the packages would be comparable. But and Chapman's killing it. And well, I mean, that's Texas the other right one, now. and we brought that up here. I, I I just think you know, listen. The longer you wait, the higher the price is going to be because there are going to be more teams that you're in direct competition with that are trying to do the same thing you're doing. They're looking for a starting pitcher who's controllable more than likely, and they're looking for one or two arms in the bullpen. The Reds, the Reds need help drastically in the back end of the bullpen. I call them the mercy rule relievers. They come in when the game's out of reach. They're the Fernando Cruz, Daniel Duarte. Those guys stink. All of them stink. <laughs> So I, I, I think the Reds could drastically improve that portion of it. Levi Stout came in yesterday. I know he's not going to be a long-term part of this team. He, he's just helping guys get healthy. But, I mean, he, it's just not competitive baseball when some of these guys pitch. No. Levi Stout came in, got taken out as soon as he reached the three-batter minimum. I, I think that's a concern. I would certainly trade India for a very good relief pitcher. I, I think you have to look for, for, for that as well. I don't know – I don't know who we would get, though. I don't know what the, what the market would be. I don't like you throwing Fernando Cruz in there with those other names. Yeah. I, I love Fernando Cruz Nick personally. Nick, yeah. Kirby, Nick, Kirby also. Nick Kirby loves Cruz. I'm a big Fernando Cruz guy. And he wants to trade Diaz. Would you trade Diaz, Tom? No. No, I wouldn't. You got a good thing going here. And he's the only, as you just pointed out, he's the only reliable guy you got down there. 
yeah. at the end of the day. And he has not been great, as we have documented clearly on this show. Great in April. Great in May. Few hiccups in June. A number of hiccups so far. Not necessarily blowing saves, but giving up runs and getting hit. But at the end of the day, he is the only guy, the only guy, when that bullpen gate opens. Because I tell you, I, I thought I was high on Sims. I'm not so sure anymore. He is a walk waiting to happen. Yeah, he is. Every time he comes in. He's got great stuff. He doesn't have enough confidence in his stuff. He just doesn't. Because with his stuff, he should be an almost unhittable relief pitcher. Diaz, on the other hand, who has great stuff, but he believes in his stuff. He walks out there unafraid of anybody or any situation. I love Diaz. I think the guy, guy's a stud. But I also got to tell you, Ian Jabot ain't bad. The more and more you start looking at his numbers, his numbers are pretty doggone good. Tom. And I don't mean the wins and losses. I'm talking about the innings pitched. I'm talking about the hits allowed. I'm talking about his strikeouts. I'm talking about his durability. This guy has pitched almost 50 games. I give Ian Jabot a lot of credit. He has come out there and he has pitched almost every other day. The issue with Ian Jabot is that you do not trust him, and I don't care who you are. You can show me any stat, any metric, any number. Ian Jabot with a runner on base, <laughs> you do not trust him, Tom. Are you going to bet on Ian Jabot to get out of an inning with a guy on second base? You're not. You're not. I credit Ian Jabot. He has been phenomenal. The pride of Great Britain. Fish and chips. <laughs> Listen, I love the guy, but at the end of the day, if, you're, if it's the seventh inning, sixth inning, nobody on base, send out Jabot. Send out your bow. London, <laughs> London Bridge has fallen. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. If there's a guy on second, if there's a guy on first, there's one out. You're trying to get out of an inning. You're not going to Ian Jabot. You're going, you're going to Sims. You're going to... Uh, you're going to Buck Farmer. You're going to Buck Farmer. He's been terrible, too. But I, I, I think... Yeah, but overall, Farmer's had a good year. I don't mean to interrupt overall, you, but overall, lately, he's lately, had a lately. solid year. Okay. Lately. I, and again, I don't mean to hate on Ian Jabot, but come on. You guys don't trust Ian Jabot. There's nobody on this planet that trusts Ian Jabot when there's a runner on base. Nobody. But I can't knock his numbers. You can't knock the numbers. So credit, credit to Jabot. Are you down on Ian Jabot, Paul? Absolutely, absolutely not. Casey, mostly you just Ian because Jabot? mostly just because I, I, I love the content that comes out of a Jabot appearance. So I just root for him to come in the game because I know we're going to be getting some entertainment, <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. Whether it's on the field or on the on Twitter. See, he's the kind of guy, and, and, and we've talked about this on this show, okay? He's the kind of guy that you dream about having on your team as a relief pitcher. He takes the ball. He doesn't give up a lot of hits. Now, nobody can disagree with what you're saying with what has happened in situations this year with runners on base when he comes in. Nobody can disagree with that because the numbers are what they are. But... If he's not your primary setup guy, which he's not, he's your sixth or seventh inning guy. Over the course of a full year, he has really had a good year. I mean, you think, I mean, you got this guy for nothing. You got him off the scrap heap and give it up to the Red Scouts for bringing this guy in and giving him a chance. 
he has done a really good job. Um, you know, look, the Reds through the years, where is it? David Weathers kind of, and I'm not comparing Javot to Weathers because Weathers had a, an outstanding major league career. People just got on him because he wasn't a closer. But for the job that he was asked to do, besides a closer, he was a fantastic relief pitcher for a long time. Nick Kirby brings up the name Nick Massett. When that guy was healthy, guy was a stud. He just couldn't stay healthy. But Jabot, you know, if you could find one more guy, I mean, you'd love to have two. But if you could find one more guy where Jabot, because they're not getting any, you know, after everything we've been talking about with the starting pitching, it went right back to what it was the last three days. Williamson was good. The other two guys, Lively and, and your guy, Dreamweaver, um, Reds relievers pitched 13 of 27 innings, and that ain't going to do it. You know what Dreamweaver's going to give you, and he gave you that. Okay, I have he a – He gave you 3.2. Whoa, 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 whoa. Luke Weaver had a great game yesterday yeah. that was incredibly ruined by the defense. Correct. Absolutely yeah. ruined. He got fair out. enough. That's fair. He got out of that fourth inning, and there were two errors. Correct. I, I, the Luke Weaver star yesterday, null it. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna be upset about that because the defense can't play defense, that's your fault. Luke Weaver has been a bad pitcher. The stat, Jacob, can you find that stat that was tweeted out by that MLB account? Yeah, no, no, no. I and I was gonna that was gonna be my follow up question. Okay. At what point, as a meatball head sports fan, yep. just a dumb sports fan, yep. do you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself the question? I'm I'm throwing this out there. I'm smart enough. I've watched baseball long enough to know what I'm gonna say sounds stupid. But at what point, you know, for as much as we discredit pitcher wins, which is a is an obsolete stat at this point in 2023, but at what point do we have to sit there and look in the mirror at ourselves and say, when Luke Weaver takes the mound, the Cincinnati Reds win a baseball game? Can't be denied. Can't be denied. I mean, it is ridiculous how bad of a pitcher he is, and they do not. Now, I know they lost his last start, but he got hurt. It wasn't his fault. That's he got right. hurt. Yeah, I mean, do we have that stat? Do you, I'm gonna, I, I have all right, hang, okay. hang on, Ham and Eggers. You guys continue this thought. I'll be right back. Take it away. Ham and Eggers, unite. It's that Casey. time of the show, the <laughs> Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Read the stat, Jacob. Oh, wait, no. Wait, let me do the, let me uh, do the ads first. Hold on. Okay. Uh, we are going to talk a lot about the Bengals at 1130. Well, we're going to talk a lot about the Chiefs at 1130. Hopefully we mix some Bengals talk in there. Reds going on a five-game winning streak. Let's talk Chiefs. Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech, the path to innovation, begins here. Uh, there is also a new <laughs> premium alkaline water out. And it's Pawnee. And it tastes great. Man, in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration. Unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use, the result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting 
water. Uh, <laughs> that was good, Paul. That was good. That Jacob, was good funny. Uh, hit the stat. Back to Dream Weaver. Yeah, baby. Luke Weaver has an ERA of 8.79 in his last 10 starts, but the Reds have a team record of 9-1 and one in those games. That is the highest ERA in a 10-start <laughs> span for a pitcher whose team won at least nine games in that span since ERA became official in 1913, Paul. <laughs> this is okay. more than a joke. But I'm, I'm serious. I know, I know it sounds stupid, right? It sounds dumb, but what? Brother. I've been on I've been on this train since the beginning. I am the king of Luke Dreamweaver. It makes no sense. A None. Any number, any metric, anything you have is going to go against what I'm about to say. The longer you've watched baseball, the less you understand what's happening right now. The Reds, I'm I I I don't know if it's a mentality. I I truth I I don't know how they do it. But when they when he pitches, the offense legitimately comes to play every single time, no question about it. And the Asterix game where he lost because he was drilled by a ball, that was the only loss he's had. He, he had to exit because of injury. They scored 10 runs in that game. I, the offense shows up every time, and I don't know if it's like, all right, guys, let's huddle up. Let's get India. Let's get all the guys together. Luke Weaver's starting tonight, so that means we have to score eight runs. You have to. And, and, and there's something about it where it's true. Because what was the, how, what's his ERA? 8.5? Eight is that seven it? nine. Eight seven nine. They've lost one time, and in that one time, they scored ten runs. It's, and he was hurt. And he was hurt. I, it, it's crazy. It's unfathomable. It's it, it's incalculable. You don't. You. It doesn't make sense. Like people are saying, get rid of Luke Weaver uh, once the deadline hits. Just like cut him from the team. No, they win the games when he pitches. <laughs> That's what I'm they saying. They win. They're winning. So, something about Luke Weaver. I mean, I know we win the games he starts, but he really does usually churn out about three or four good innings of really yeah. good innings. It's really it's like one or two blow-up innings. It's the first in the inning, or at least it was for a while, yeah. and yeah. then recently it's been the last inning he's yeah. been in. If we can move Luke Weaver to the bullpen yeah. and have him throw three innings, four innings, that could be a really good reliever. That could be exactly what we're talking about, to, to take up that you know fifth, sixth, seventh, when the starters can't go as well. Yeah, go ahead. And some of the oh, No, wait. I'll talk for a second. The, the what I'm what I'm saying what I'm saying here is I just I just don't understand, you know when you when you're looking at this and you're thinking to yourself the numbers don't make sense the record doesn't make sense, but at the end of the day it, it's just like everybody that you know loves the pitcher win that says at, at the end of the day when your guy goes out there and throws the baseball, at the end of the game who has more runs, like for some reason that's that's Dreamweaver. You know, Every, whenever I, he goes I, out there, not, and and ten games is a in a in a one season sample. Ten games as a starting pitcher is a yeah. great sample. I just saw Robert Bryant in the chat. He just said it's a coincidence; it won't last. We're past that. We're at we ten games. That. He's nine and one. The one they scored ten. They, the the coincidence thing is over. There's a mentality in the in the dugout in the clubhouse when he pitches. They know they have to score ten runs. You know, 25, it, 30 years from now. And when we they get asked the question, what was the what was the the clubhouse like around Luke Weaver? I mean that question is going to be answered with we we had to we had to rally or we had to get the troops going we had to go out there and hit at least eight runs in order to win a game. You know it, it has to be talked about more than eight runs. His ERA is eight point seven nine. Nine runs. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and Jacob makes a good point no. with the bullpen. 
assuming Lodolo and Green come back, or at least Green, someone's going to have to go to the bullpen, which then helps the bullpen. I would assume it would be Lively first up going to the bullpen. Maybe it'll be Williamson. Luke Weaver's actually listed as a relief pitcher on ESPN still to this day. Really? If you look at his page, it doesn't have win-loss. It has saves, and he has zero saves. I will say this. Luke Weaver out of the bullpen, not going to be a fan of that. No. Not going to be a fan of him coming out for the eighth inning. No chance. No. Who would you rather have with a runner on second in the bottom of the eighth, Luke Weaver or Ian Jabot? <laughs> this is big for your brand. This is big. We'll give you, you a second. Wait, wait, wait. You said first and second? Yep, first and second, bottom of the eighth, no outs. Oh, God. Playoffs, Ian Jabot, <laughs> Luke Weaver. All right. Well, it ain't going to be Luke Weaver. So there's, well, wait, there's two schools of thought. If Weaver comes in, they don't lose the game. If Jabot comes in, blows it, the Reds still win. He gets credited with another win. His 15th. His 15th. Well, we're reaching his, now. His 15th of the season. I don't know. I, I would hate both those options, but I guess I, I go Jabot. Justin Tolles in the chat says, maybe if we aren't so hard on Weaver, he can build a little confidence. Let's get behind him instead of against him. Oh, I mean, Justin, did you hear that number? Yeah. That's an 8.79 ERA in the last Justin. 10 games. Yeah, there's Come no, on, Justin. That's not our job anyway. Yeah, there's, I mean, no, there's no confidence when you're given nine runs a game. I mean, <laughs> there's no confidence there. But you're doing your job. You're, you're a warm body. You're eating our innings. So keep fighting the good fight, Weaver. <laughs> keep fighting it, baby. I want to circle back to this India thing. I tell you, I, I don't know what to think about this. I really don't. Um, you get into the whole thing about his leadership, you know, and it's important when he's playing well, and some will say it doesn't mean anything when he's not playing well, and he's gone through stretches of both. He's not been a good offensive player for the last two months. He's had some big games in that time frame. But since the All-Star break, he has been very good. He's getting on base. He's getting base hits. I think he's gotten on base every game since the break that he's, that he's played. Started. They have this nice rotation going on where they're giving guys days off, right? Encarnacion Strand is now a big part of the mix. Votto has really tailed off. Um, I think his average is down in the 170s now, if I'm not mistaken. He said some big home runs. And I would imagine with his track record in Milwaukee, and you've got righty, righty, righty in the series, uh, that he will be in the lineup the next three days, whether it's at first or whether it's a DH, right? But he, he's scuffling. Ellie's scuffling. Um, India. I, man. I'd have to think long and hard about trading him when you've got this kind of thing going on right now. Anybody with me on that or anybody yeah. vehemently disagree on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I want him gone. I've wanted him gone for a while. This is, this is one of some of the best news I've seen on the Reds all year. I mean, I, I, I really just think this team takes a massive leap when you – we saw Spencer Steer make a couple of mistakes at first yesterday. If you can move Spencer Steer back to third on a regular basis and just run through Vado and CES at first – with the middle infield of McLean and Ellie. I understand Ellie struggled at the plate, but I, I think that boosts your lineup without even talking about the return you would get for Jonathan India. Let me ask you this. Is India a better player than Stevenson? Yep. Yeah. I, not I, even close. It's not but, close. But it's such a not different Not even close. I know it's a different position. I get it. 
And catcher is a very important position. And I'm just, I, you know, I mean, people that are telling me that all of a sudden Stevenson is much better behind the plate in the last six games he's played. I mean, he, he is what he is. But from an offensive performance standpoint, why aren't we talking about Stevenson and Sid India? If we had a if we had a 21 year old catcher hitting 300 that was a Gold Glove catcher, we would be talking about trading Tyler Stevenson. But Matt McClain plays second base. Yeah, Nick, Nick, so, uh, Nick Kirby just Nick Kirby just said it. Tyler Stevenson isn't being blocked by Noel V. Marte. Now, granted, Nick Kirby wants to pack Jonathan India's U-Haul and send him to Oakland, but to his point, still, he does. Yeah, he does. He was he was the first one, I think. Kirby Kirby was out on him last summer. Jacob this summer. So I, I think, but I think there is a point to what Nick said, where if there was somebody else coming up, Stevenson wouldn't be in the picture anymore because Jonathan India has been significantly better than Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson has been by far the biggest offensive disappointment on this team. Not even close. Not he even hits, close. He hits slap singles, and that's all he does. That's all he does, and that's that's fine if you're going to be a good defensive catcher. But he's not. He's bad at that too. I wonder what brings you more in a trade, India or Stevenson? Well, Nick actually just texted me a screenshot of uh, that little trade calculator oh, where you God. can you do the, the trade value. It's the dumbest thing of all time. Send India to the Padres for uh, Hader and Snell. It's actually more value. I, Blake's, I would bend over backwards for Blake Snell. Yeah. I would love I mean, that trade can't happen. Like, that wouldn't happen, but that's the type of trade that – you know, maybe India plus, I don't know, a couple, one or two guys that you feel like you could part with that don't disrupt your organization. But, I mean, ju- what is that? What is that? I see Well, people- there is no way on God's earth the Padres are trading you those two guys for John. No, no, not yeah, straight up. With a prospect, not straight up. It'd be, it'd be a, I'm just saying you plug it in. serious prospect. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying you plug it into the little thing. I'm not saying it, by any stretch that the Padres would do that straight up. But, I mean punching it into the little number machine here, whatever this is. The Padres are only six games out of the wild card. I know they haven't put it together, but a lot of people believe they're not going to start unloading guys because they look at their window, and we hear that term all the time, right? Their window is being very small. They only have Soto for another year. They've assembled a team full of long-term, huge money contracts, and many feel like they are not going to start unloading guys this year. Six games is nothing. I mean, they're not the Mets, right? They've been a disappointment like the Mets. I mean, the Padres are four games under 500. The Mets are seven. But there, there's, I just can't see it happening. Maybe I'm wrong. If you were the Padres, with that team you have at least thinking, could they put together a good 50-game run for me? I take my chances. The only thing I would be thinking is if the locker room issues are a bigger deal than we think and that the coaches and ownership there realize that this current group is not going to work and they want to recoup the prospects they lost in the Soto trade. That's the only way I could think selling makes sense because the longer you wait on these contracts, the less valuable these guys are. So if you could move guys for massive returns this year, if you really think the ship has sailed – on this, you know, yep. top four, top five guys working, then it makes sense. But, I mean, if you even have a little bit of faith, you've got to keep it together. The Padres play in a brutal, in a brutal division. They I, do. I don't, think, I don't think at this point we're too far in to be like, okay, the Padres can go on a big run. 
I wouldn't rule out that they make the postseason, but it would take a collapse from the Diamondbacks and Giants. So I don't, I don't think that will happen either. I think the Padres are in big trouble here. They just haven't strung together any, any type of consistency on the year. I think what Jacob said is absolutely correct, that there is some serious locker room issues with that team. That team has the talent, to Tom's credit, to win a World Series. Absolutely. They were, they were in my, I think my preseason pick was the Padres to get to the NLCS. I, the Padres are good enough to get there. The issue is they haven't done anything to prove it. Not nope. one single thing. Nope. Nope. Did you have money on that? I did not. I did not. Tom. <laughs> How are Z Brazilianers doing at this point? Tom, I, you asked me this and you know the answer. No, I don't yeah, know because do. a weekend do, went Tom. by and I don't know what kind of action you had going. So Tom, I'm just curious. Tom, you're being mean because you know it's bad and I haven't won anything and I'm terrible. You knew that when you asked it, and that's okay. <laughs> I don't fault you for it. It's funny to see Elliot lose. But, yeah, it's going bad. I'm not a good gambler. I'm just a really bad gambler. That's all I can say. But you're not throwing in the towel. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'll never quit. I'll never quit, Tom. Just like Luke Dreamweaver, he's going to go out there every <laughs> single start. It's going to be bad, but every once in a while, you get a big win. Right, Tom? Hey, you hit that uh, parlay. That's right. right. That's right. By the way, Luke's pick uh, of that golfer, I think he missed the cut. <laughs> Who was it? Tito oh, Hatton. Well, that, what, a, what a shot that there. Was, well, I'm well, just saying. No doubt. Well, listen. Right out of the clouds, clouds, I mean, out Tom. of nowhere. Listen, I, I'm wearing. It's like a round hat. Yeah. I'm wearing Kevlar. I'm taking shots from all across the room. <laughs> I'm just trying to give one back. Come on, guys. Just trying to dig yourself out of the foxhole. That's right. You're still mad about getting wet. That's right. Did you ever post that? Yeah, it's on the it's on okay, the uh, right. gambling. Uh, by the uh, by the way, uh, Paul, uh, 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 you have any action this weekend? Or are you out of the game for a while here? No, no, I've uh, I've actually I've actually gotten back in a little bit on the Reds, and uh, they've been treating me pretty well. I've just literally just been riding the train. You know, it's everybody's like, you know, you're now not crazy. I've been trying to trying to mitigate some things, but I. I stepped back. I dipped my toe in the water, Tom. How about that? Okay. Dipped my toe in the water. Casey, what about you? Uh, say that again. I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> Have you been in the game as far as any uh, bet Fred wagering is concerned of late on anything, everything, nothing? Uh, I bet on the uh, Reds yesterday um, to win it and to cover the spread. And then I bet uh, a parlay. Um I uh, did not win the parlay. I won the two bets. So there you go. There we go. Sixty-six percent, baby. Yeah. Jacob. Yeah, I've had the red, had the Reds the last two days, so it was good. Ride this win streak. Hopefully, we get to twelve again. That was a good boost to the pockets. Are you betting on them tonight? Yay or nay? We go around the horn before Jeff Levering. If you were betting, or are betting, are you betting on them tonight, Jacob? Yay or nay? How could you not? We're going to beat the Brewers eventually. We're going to beat them tonight. Yeah, I'm going to take the Reds. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm, I'll take the Brewers. It sucks. I don't want to do it, but they're going to win. Wait, you are, you, are you going to actually going to bet on the take Brewers? the Brewers, or are you just saying that the Brewers are going to win? If you bet on the Brewers, the Reds will win. I'm going to bet on the Brewers. I'm going to, I'm going to bet on the Brewers to give the Reds the win, but I don't think it will happen. I think the Brewers win. Are we having some issues? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, but we're, we, we should be back. Right now. We should have just come back. I think. We should be back. Let's see. Let's reconnect the chat. Everybody everybody hit, uh, what is that, F5? There, we should be back. There we are. Maybe not. 
don't know. Chat, chat looks back. There we go. I think it's on our end, right? It is. It is on our end. It's in the building. Is this another one of those where uh, we're I in think the building? The, and I think it's the building. Yeah, Wi-Fi went dead. Yeah, the Wi-Fi went dead. Everything went dead in here. But I and now now our uh, connection and it, it looks it looks like we're uh, we're good now though, Tom. If you want to, we should be back. I I can't get it. Uh oh. Oh no. Well, I, I have you on yeah, my we're phone. Back. I got we're, back. Yeah, we're, back. Here we we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. All right, good. Because we got Jeff uh, Levering coming up in a second. Um, Marty Brenneman internet here in the building. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, look, whether or not there's something to this uh, India thing, maybe the Reds, Nick Crawl has something else up his sleeve. I think we all agree that right now you like your chances with Ashcraft. He's pitching really well. You like your chances with Abbott. Williamson is, is creeping into the category of, I may not like my chances, but I don't dislike them. Right? The other two guys... I mean, forget it. Who's that? Lively and uh, Weaver. Wait, so you're, you're telling me after all this time, Tom, you're telling me that you're out on Weaver? <laughs> after everything we just talked I'm about. I'm definitely out on Weaver. Brutal. Because it just seems like the games he pitches, and, and look, it's supposed to, to work out this way, but it doesn't normally always work. Seems like he always pitches against a guy like something like yesterday, right? Where they have this... You know, you know, guy comes out of the bullpen, pitch for an inning, then they're going to be making a bullpen day. Or he's pitching against some starter from the other team who's just awful. And that's why the Reds are scoring 8, 9, 10 a game every time he pitches. You run him out there against a number three starter, forget it. You're getting your butt kicked every time. Not every now and again, every time. That is straight-up coincidence. Nothing more, nothing less. Is uh, Mr. Levering with us? We think so. We think so. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to communicate with him. He's not responding. Okay. Well, we're going to keep uh, working on that because we have him coming up shortly. I just received word from our house that we have a huge beehive that just stung our dog and my wife. Oh, uh, no. Oh, yeah. We're going to get one of those TikToks. The, the, the dog has, you know, some inflamed... You ever seen one of those one of those videos with the dogs just get yeah. all swelled up? The, the worst thing I ever saw was, uh, as far as bee stings, my wife, we're in Atlanta a couple years ago, and we're walking. The largest park inside of a city in the United States is in Atlanta, right? We're walking through this park. The bathroom is like two miles away, and she's got to go to the bathroom. I said, look, there's woods everywhere. Just run up the hill there and, and, and go to the bathroom. Next thing I know, she is sprinting out of the woods and had been stung like 70 times right there on her legs and her, oh my her derriere. Yeah, we had to get her uh, to the doctor immediately. She was okay. Thank God she was all right. Uh, but that's the worst I've seen. Hope everybody's all right back at home. Reed Mouse says seeing Oppenheimer tonight. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. I want to go see that movie. It, I went Thursday night. Phenomenal. I, I cannot remember a movie with that much hype, and I'm leaving thinking that was an instant classic. Like, lived up to it and then some. Absolutely unbelievable movie. Luke went last night, but uh, is it a three-hour movie? Yeah, every, every bit of it. But it feels fast. It's so fast-paced. They throw so much at you. Yeah, and I did a, not see it. It's a wonderful him. movie. Casey, you probably went to uh, Barbie over the weekend. <laughs> um, I, I did not. I stayed home and took care of the wife. Oh, yeah, the ACL. She's doing all right? Post-ACL? She is doing She's doing all right. Um, in a little bit of pain. Um, already working on that machine that helps, uh, you know, stretch it out and yep. get it moving. Um, but uh, she's she's doing all right for what for uh, for what she can be. So, Paul, did you see? Um, do we have Jeff yet? Uh, I'm I'm texting Jeff right now. I'm trying to get him. Uh, I'm trying to get him connected. We can see his mic's working, but he can't hear us. So okay, I'm getting him connected. Uh, I did not. I'm gonna see Oppenheimer on Wednesday. I think. Are you going to go see Barbie? Yes, eventually, but I'm seeing Oppenheimer first. What what makes you want to go see Barbie? But literally just because everybody else is. Oh, allegedly, it transcends the toy. Apparently, it's just a good movie. I, I, I don't necessarily believe that yet, but uh, <clears throat> apparently, it's just yeah, a good movie. You can movie. hear me, Jeff? Ellie, will you go see Barbie? There we go. No, Tom. You can talk if you I want. Will not be, when, he, when he said it transcends the toy, that was one of the That's most... Their, that was one of the your, funniest things. That's their lot. That seems horrible, Tom. That movie, you couldn't pay me to see that film. What, what uh, Barbie? I'll yeah. watch almost any we movie. We could pay you to yeah. see it. I don't think you could. I'll watch almost any movie with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Those are two great actors. I, so. I, there are uh, select movies that I will see just because everybody else is seeing it, just to be able to like talk about pop culture. This is one of those. Nothing. Sorry. This is one of those. They say, Casey, your microphone continues to go out over the air as you're checking in with Jeff. Not my bad, everyone. <laughs> Casey, Casey, Casey. Y'all continue your conversation. Cameron says he saw uh, Barbie. Says, I might get triggered, but it was pretty great. Uh, Mark says, Margot Robbie is worth the price of admission. Mark knows what's up. Atta boy, Mark. I wouldn't know Margot Robbie if she walked in this room. Oh, yes, you would. You should familiarize yourself, Tom. Oh, yes, you would. I, I really wouldn't. I mean, I, I'm sure that I would be struck by, I'm guessing, her beauty. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Um, but I, I really don't know. Who, what else has she been in? Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Bingo. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. End of story. End of story. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. The wife from the Wolf of Wall Street. That would be correct, correct Tom. That's that correct, correct, Tom. Tom. That's correct. Now I know who Margot Robbie is. She's just a real pro. She's just a pro's pro, Tom. <laughs> yeah. All right, we, we, we got good? Jeff on. We got I mean, Jeff. That was a yeah, yeah, we I got this picture now yeah. in my mind floating around. Most of you have the same, right? Is he ready to go? He's ready. All He's right. Ready. Let's bring in Mr. Levering, the television voice. He has become the TV voice of the uh, Brewers this year. He's been there already uh, as part of their broadcast team for a number of years now. But Brian Anderson has been doing all kinds of different stuff nationally, what have you, and missing a lot of games. So Jeff Levering is the man. 
as they say. The man who lost his razor this morning. Have you been going with that look on the air, Jeff, with the, uh, you know, the, the two-day, one-day growth? What do you got going there? Yeah, this is three days because I was on the radio all weekend long. So this is my radio look. It'll be shaved by the time we go on the air tonight for the big tussle between the Brewers and the Reds tonight. We'll be fine. We'll be all, all, good. Right. all right. I'm just double checking because I haven't seen you in a while. You're always fit and looking good. So I just want to make sure everything's okay. So now, now look. Yeah. Uh, around here, uh, you know, people are like so excited about this series again. Third one in the last two and a half weeks, two weeks, right? Uh, and, and the Reds can't buy a win against Milwaukee. Is it just, it's not to say I can't change in the next three days. Last three times they'll play each other. But, but does it seem to you sitting there calling the games like for whatever reason the Brewers have the Reds number? It does feel that way. I mean, it feels like every time the, the Reds come in and they're playing the Brewers, they're red hot, right? They're playing everybody else, and they are crushing everybody else. But when the Brewers play them, they end up throwing shutouts or one-run ball games. Their pitching just seems to have all the answers against this Reds offense. And it, and it really doesn't matter who's on the roster. And, and Tom, as you know, a lot of Major League Baseball is about when you catch a team. And it feels like the Brewers are catching the Reds as they're they're coming through. They've got Ellie De La Cruz now. Uh, over the last two series that the Brewers have played the Reds, now they're going to get Encarnacion Strand, who they haven't seen yet. But for whatever reason, the Brewers have this great scouting report of, over the Reds hitters, and they've done a great job implementing. And, and you know what? It might be tough luck that the Reds keep catching Corbin Burns too because the, the Braves just miss Burns. The Reds are going to get Burns again. Burns has been dealing here over the last month. Um, it's just tough luck for Cincinnati, and, and the Brewers have had just enough offense because their offense is not a playoff caliber offense their pitching staff is they've got a great relief uh, group that they've got going they're great starting pitching but their their starting staff is just or their I should say their offense is just not a playoff caliber group at the moment they just have one guy who comes up with a big hit every single game but they do have the Reds number there's no doubt they've won eight of the first what 12 meetings between these two teams 10 meetings it's been okay, crazy yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that cuz I th about the, uh, the 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 game plan scouting report every team in baseball has those and they have good scouting reports right every team has good scouts and your advanced scout and all these kind of video et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. but it but i was i was marveling at the execution as you just said of the scouting report i i feel like whenever i see the brewers play and look i don't watch them a ton and 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 if somebody would have watched them against the oakland a's when they got swept you certainly wouldn't say this, right, earlier in the year. But it just seems like they – and perhaps it starts and ends with pitching, as you just talked about. It just seems like they're able to execute the game plan, at least against the Reds. Yeah, I will say this too, Tom. If, if the, these two teams played this series in May – uh, in the beginning part of May, because the Brewers didn't see the Reds until the end of May, beginning of June, and they're all kind of truncated within this six-week time span where they play these 13 ball games. I, I don't know if the Brewers win eight of these 10 games. They might win three of the 10 games because this the, the Brewers team after the middle of April went through this swoon for six weeks where they just, if they got down two or three runs, they were going to lose the game. That, that, that was a – it was a shoe-in. They did not come back in any ball game. Now it feels like the Brewers have a little bit of 
gumption to them offensively where if you're down a couple of runs, it's okay. They did it against the Braves on Saturday, down 3 nothing in the third inning, ended up scratching out four runs and one of 4-3 because their bullpen held on to it. Um, it. It's just a different group. But you're right about the execution. Uh, and these two teams, there's no secrets between these two teams. Uh, even though the, the personnel has changed, the players have changed a little bit, there's no secrets between David Bell and Craig Council. There's no secrets with Derek Johnson, who used to be in the Brewers clubhouse as their pitching coach before he went to Cincinnati. These guys know exactly what they want to do. They know exactly how they want to try and beat these other teams. And listen, I, I think this Reds team is a blast to watch. And, and the Brewers are in a stretch where they play Reds, Braves, Reds. And I think the Reds are one of the great teams in, in, in the sport right now. If they just got a little bit more help on the pitching side of things, that's a team that's going to make a lot of damage. You just can't take your eyes off of off of any of these players. And and I think if they get guys on base, and that's been the issue against the Brewers, they just haven't gotten any guys on base that can wreak the havoc with stealing bags. And De La Cruz, I think he's won for his last 11 against Milwaukee since he stole home that Saturday before the All-Star break. Uh, the execution has been tremendous on the Brewers side of things. That's why they've won 8 out of 10. Um, looking with the trade deadline looming, and the Brewers are one of those teams at this time a year ago, uh, everybody knows, right in the hunt, wound up finish a game out, they unload Josh Hader. Uh, I think everybody would be shocked if they were sellers in any form or fashion this year. Are you, or do you believe that they will be buyers to try and help that offense? I think that they will be. I think they kind of have to. Um, they've got some holes at first base. They've got a hole at third. They, they brought up South Freelick. He's playing right field. He's two games in the major leagues. Who knows what you're going to get out of him. You hope that he's he's the life form that, that you hope in right field offensively. He was hitting cleanup yesterday against the Braves. But they do need some help offensively. Uh, I will say that the, the hater deal at the time was – it was – bashed and it really hurt the Brewers clubhouse and I, I'm not going to say that that's the reason they missed the playoffs but it certainly didn't help their cause of making the playoffs last year uh, and it was a weird move I, I don't feel the Brewers have to be buyers at this point they need to try and get bats they've told Corbin Burns that he is safe uh, they're not going to deal him at the trade line uh, trade deadline they mentioned that in New York uh, when the Brewers played the Mets a couple of weeks ago before the break um, so I think that that has kind of catapulted his play to the next level at this moment listen when you're when you play confidently you're going to play a lot better right and if you know you're not on the trading block you're going to pitch a lot better and that's what Corbin Burns has been able to do I, I just feel like that they need to go get some bats they need to show the fan base they need to show the clubhouse that this is what they want to do, they want to be competitive. They want to go try and win a World Series. Matt Arnold has said it time and time again about making deals that are responsible for the organization. And that is, listen, if we think that this is a deal that's going to make us better, then we're going to explore it. They feel like they have some pieces from within. They're going to get Brandon Woodruff back at some point. They might have some some bullpen depth that's coming back and a Justin Wilson here pretty soon. But they need to get some bats because the, the bats are very thin at the minor league level in this organization. Right you know, now. you brought up Woodruff. And, and when we, uh, we had Bill Schroeder on uh, right before the last series, that's like making a major deal before the trade deadline. I mean, the Reds are kind of hoping the same thing, you know, although it's not going to be – close to the deadline with either Nick Lodolo or Hunter Green. Where is Woodruff at this point in time? When do they expect him back? So he just made his first rehab start with uh, Wisconsin against the Dayton Dragons a couple of days ago. Went three innings, 32 pitches, was touching 97 with his velocity. 
Uh, I would think that he's going to get at least two more, right? I think that that's a very generous assumption to get yeah. two more appearances. So maybe two weeks away from getting Brandon Woodruff back, three max, I would say. So you're looking at the middle of August when he returns, and then okay, so you got six weeks of a healthy Brandon Woodruff to to combine with Corbin Burns, and then whatever version of Freddie Peralta you're going to get, and then the rest of that bullpen. Uh, it's a huge get for the Brewers to get him back. He's made two starts this year. That's it, Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, I mean when he's on his game, he is on his game. There's no two ways about that. Uh, as far as uh, Colin Ray, guy that's been around for a while. Uh, you know, a couple of other teams and so forth. He'll get the ball tonight against one of the hotter starters in baseball in Graham Ashcraft. How's Ray throwing the ball recently? He's going to keep you in the ball game. Listen, he's a guy who knows how to pitch. He's not going to be that 97-98 on the corners with this wipeout stuff with the off speed that's going to get everybody out. He's going to pitch to contact. He knows what his plan is. He's going to execute his plan. He pitched great against the Phillies the last time out. Um, listen, you can, you can pretty much bank on five innings, maybe three runs allowed, but he's going to be competitive. And I think he's pitched well against the Cincinnati Reds over the course of his starts this year. Um, it's an aggressive offense that he's going to be facing today. If he's throwing strikes and making his pitches that aren't in the middle of the plate, he'll have a good day. But Ashcraft, man, he was outstanding when he pitched against Corbin Burns the first day out of the break. He's a totally different guy that gave up eight runs against the Brewers earlier this season. His cutter's going strong uh, with that slider. I mean, Ashcraft is he is a totally different cat than what we saw earlier in the season. And that's a that's a big, big boost in the arm for the Reds pitching staff. All right, let me ask you this question, and maybe it's unfair for me to ask you this because you don't watch the Reds play every day. But I've continued to maintain that, you know, look, when the season started, a lot of people thought they were going to lose 90-something games, and you see all these young players come up, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here they are. They're a half game out of first. They're on a five-game winning streak. You're in the getting ready to start the final two months of the season in a stretch. People around here, you know, they, they call me crazy for saying, hey, look, if the Reds matched up with, and I'm going to take the Brewers out of this, if they matched up with Arizona or the Giants or the Marlins or any of these teams in a postseason series, best of five, best of seven, I contend that the Reds should beat one of those teams in a division series. Do you think I'm crazy for saying that? I don't think you're crazy. I, I think that they have enough offense, and especially in that ballpark in Cincinnati, if you get – if the Reds get Green, Lodolo, and Ashcraft rolling, and if they make a move and get another starter at the at the deadline, I mean, I, who's to say that they can't beat the Braves? Because they're as athletic as Atlanta is. The only difference is they don't hit home runs like the Braves do. The Braves can slug, man. That's how they're going to score runs. Yep. They scored 13 runs against the Brewers. 11 of them were on homers. They can crush. Their first four guys in the lineup have 100 homers. 100 home runs between the first four guys in their lineup. Mm. So if they're going to beat you, they're going to slug. But they can run, too. Acuna's got – he could steal 80 bases this year. But everybody on the Reds can run. I think if, if the Reds get themselves on base – they, they just take so much away from the attention of a pitcher, and they make life hell for catchers. I mean, they stole nine bags against the Brewers earlier this season. That was a Colin Ray start. It was a 10-8 game that the Reds had no reason being in, and it ended up being a 10-8 game at the end of the day. 
So I, I think Cincinnati's going to make life really difficult on some teams. If they can find a way to get in the playoffs, they're going to make life really difficult because they're a fun team to play against. They are, they are a fun team to play against. I, I'm with you all the way. All right, uh, Jeff, we thank you so much for your time, man. Have a great call tonight. Know you will. Tell everybody around the ballpark there we said hello. Miss seeing all you guys. Likewise, bud. Miss you, Tom. Hope you're well, bud. Okay, hey, man. Hey, take Talk it easy to- on Paul, too, in the studio, huh? <laughs> he said you He said you were walking around mindlessly in the stands uh, when he saw you a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I had the day off. That was the uh, Apple TV ball game. We ran. We were at the the concert. It was little whatever the concert we saw. It was awesome. It's great. I was drinking slushies and yeelings and having a great time. It looked time. great. He looked great. He was. <laughs> well, it was, he it was, was walking. You, see, I wouldn't assume a guy like Jeff would be walking around with the schleps like us. I was assuming he'd be up in the press box. So I, I had to do a double take, and I'm going. You know what? He's just enjoying a day with the fam. Did you notice for well, some of you clowns in this studio, plural, I might add. Did you notice that he just said he had a yangling? He didn't say anything about a white claw or a high noon or whatever those things are. Did you hear him say that? We heard it. I like that. Hey, listen, I'm not going to discriminate against the high noons or a white claw or a fizzy or a carbless or whatever. They're tasty on a hot summer day. But if I'm in Cincinnati, give me a yangling all the time. Amen, brother. Amen. Jeffrey, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Take you care. Got it. See you guys. See ya. See, that's not some Miami of Ohio guy. <laughs> right? That's not some. By the way, before I forget. I, I, Here we I, go. Oh, no. you know, Here we go. You know, I told you about the dude last <laughs> week that was on a scooter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here in Hamilton with a. His ski mask pulled down right around here, right around his nose, right around his lip, and he had swimming goggles right. over top of it. <laughs> right, right. I can't get that picture out of my mind now every time I come to Hamilton. Have you seen the lawnmower guy today? Haven't seen him since, not, since our second sighting. Yeah, not yet. He usually comes out right around lunchtime, so we'll probably see him around 12, meandering about. I mean, if I, if I do say so myself, the gravel looks a little high out there, so... Could use a trim. <laughs> There's no telling what you might see here in Hamilton, Ohio. There's. I mean, Elliot, you're always talking the place up. I give you credit. You Thank talk you. it up. Thank you. A lot of people are saying does? that. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. Listen, and this isn't a shtick, guys. When you come to <laughs> Hamilton, you think of me. And that's because I'm the king of Hamilton. I'm Mr. Hamilton. I go to the Hamilton. I swim in the Hamilton Bay over there I, at least three times a week. Jump off the bridge into the Hamilton River. I think this town is great. I love to be a part of it. Tom, I know you do too. I do. Paul, maybe not so much, but that's okay, Paul. We're trying, to, we're trying to Shots! Get, that's not a shot. It's true. Shots falling from the sky. Casey, I know, loves it. Jacob loves it. It's just Paul, really. I think Paul's the one who doesn't like me. it, Tom. Yeah, I'm the only one in this room. Who yep. was who? How was the uh, balloon fest? <laughs> Tom, you would have hot loved air balloon Ohio. fest. Let's, it, let's, let's go to Paul first. Paul, Paul, how was the balloon yeah. fest, Paul? So, like four months ago, I <laughs> like four months ago, I signed up to work as the uh, as the media coordinator for this tournament for that ESPN and. The, the basketball tournament. Which you the, see the beat team. up on X. Yeah, they I did. Might add. It was, okay. Yeah, so I, I signed up like four months ago to be the media coordinator for this. And then last week we were all talking about who was available 
to work at this balloon festival over the weekend. And I, like, I couldn't find anybody on late notice. So I wasn't there. I was there Saturday morning, but I missed everything that was Friday night and Saturday night up in Middletown. But I was getting play-by-play updates from Jacob and Elliot the entire time. And it sounded like a riot. And I, I'll be honest, I am very sad that I missed out on what's inevitably going to be the inside jokes now for the last 48 hours. Casey, your thoughts about it? Uh, I was not there Friday because mm. of mm. My, yeah. the, right. the surgery for Alex. Right. Um, was there all day Saturday. Um, finally got to see what, what those two were talking about the, the whole <laughs> yeah. night on Friday. Um, yeah, we, it was, it was a good time. Tom made the best fireworks show of my life. Yeah, it was a great really? fireworks show. It was show. without a doubt the best fireworks show I've ever seen. No kidding. Uh, I mean, it had to have been 15000 But that was not officially in Hamilton. It was in Middletown. Middletown. Okay, Middletown. Middletown. Okay, it was right. in Middletown. Casey, how Home many? Home of Chris Carter. Jerry yes. Lucas. Yes. Middletown, very similar. Kyle Schwarber. Jalen Marshall. That's yes. right. Buckeye legend. Yes, Middletown. Uh, I, 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 love this, I love the town of Middletown, but I think, Tom, I, I think there's some similarities between Hamilton and Middletown. <laughs> oh, see? See, I didn't say this. I didn't say <laughs> this. I mean? could have said this, Wait, and I didn't say this. What does that mean? I don't know what it means, Tom. You're just going to have to assume yourself. you got to flush that out, Elliot. But, yeah, I think the, the balloon— It's all the, about Butler County, baby. I, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, listen, listen. I think, I think the, balloon, the balloon fest was very fun. I enjoyed it. I think the fireworks, like Jacob said, were incredible. Those two guys over there on that side of the room, out of the four possible days, they were there one. Yeah, they took a so, light weekend. So, they, right. so it was oh, an easy weekend for Paul and Casey. So, I, you know, they yeah. had their fun. But I, so, I, so, wait. So, Friday night after the basketball was over and these guys were getting home, I was texting them, asking them how everything was going. Casey, I guess, was already asleep and woke up on Saturday morning to how many texts? There was like 450, 500 messages on my phone <laughs> about this set of things. The hammer there was so much. I needed all the. I needed. I needed the lowdown because I needed to know what I was walking into on Monday morning. So so much to unpack, Tom. So much. Why Why do uh, Hamilton people take offense? As we're seeing in the chat. Why do Hamilton people take offense to uh, being compared in any form with Middletown? I don't know. Gonna... I don't know. Yeah, and I'll leave that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they would think it was. I, I don't. I listen. I could. I think Hamilton's great. Maybe I think Middletown's great. I compared them. Maybe that's. Maybe that's the case. Reed said they're rivals. Okay. I mean, I know they're rivals, but we're talking about the town here. I mean, right? They Alex both have Wallace had a night having a nice little time. resurgence here, <laughs> both of them, right? Okay, uh, coming up here in a couple of minutes, we're going to have uh, – we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And we've had a couple people comment already. Wait, wait a minute. Our guests are from Milwaukee and Kansas City. What's wrong with that? I don't think – Don't Ron- you want to hear – what else might be going on in the planet, on the planet, in the world of sports against your rivals? Is the answer no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here. In the great words of Ronnie Smith, who, who gives a snuff, right? Who gives a snuff about Kansas City right now? We're going to hear about him. But we're going to hear about well, him. There's Ronnie right there. He says, Cincinnati Sports Talk. Sup. I, I can't sit here and talk anymore about the Reds. I just can't. I can't. But we can, We Tom. have spent an hour <laughs> and 23 minutes talking about the Reds. 
We could do fair. another 40 without breaking a sweat. Without <laughs> breaking a sweat, Tom. It's fair, Box Tom. lunch. They, there's lots to talk about with Kansas City right now. They've got a lot of different there's, headlines, just like you said earlier on. In the, in the Casey, did you have Geno above Patrick Mahomes in the rankings? No. I think you did. I think no. you did, right? Can, you ask, can we ask the guy coming on? If if he thinks Patrick Mahomes is better than Geno Smith, mm, good question. I think that would be. I think, I think Patrick that would be Mahomes beneficial. is number one quarterback in the NFL right now. Oh okay. So you hate Joe Burrow? No, hate Joe, Joe Burrow. <laughs> Joe Burrow is a close second. But Joe <laughs> Mr. Hamill Tucky says Tom is a closet Cincinnati hater. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, look, the Joe Burrow thing. I thought this was a really good point made yesterday in the article written by uh, Kelsey Conway, Cincinnati.com. You know, you're looking at Jones. There is not a worry in the world about the Bengals quarterback sitting out because he doesn't have a contract. That's who Joe Burrow is. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's who he is. He's in Athens, Ohio, small town, hardworking, grinding, appreciative, Knows what's coming. He's going to get his. He's all about the team and all about winning. Now, Justin Herbert is in the exact same category as Burrow. They don't have to get his deal done. They don't have to get Burrow's done. And whether or not Burrow's gets done or not, we don't know. I think a lot of us felt like it would be done by now, right? I think most of us felt like on virtually the eve of training camp, which is in three days from now, that the Joe Burrow deal would be done by now. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I am disappointed it never came to fruition. Same thing, like, I mean, we were having T. Higgins' contract already done, what, March, April? Right. Um, the fact that we haven't gotten any of those guys signed to a long-term extension is a little concerning but i like i said maybe a week ago i'm not worried until next season for for joe burrow i'm just not i i I think that's just who he is tom he's gonna show up he's a team guy and uh you know if he when when we start giving him franchise tags that's when i'm gonna start getting a little nervous that's, that's where I'm like, okay, they, they are not even really close on numbers-wise, which would be concerning because that's the Bengals' mentality should just be to give him a blank check, in my opinion. I know that's not realistic, but... Um, you can't give you know. him a blank check, Casey. No. You got to have other it, players on the team. Right. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, that's the fan in me saying he just I deserves know. a blank I check, know. but he's going to get top dollar. And which virtually is a blank check to me, right? I mean, he's That's he right. deserves to be the He'll top He'll be the highest paid player in the league. It'll be above yeah. 50, below 60. Yeah. But then there's this Herbert thing. You know, and look, uh, I don't watch the Chargers play every game. And I know last year, they maybe more than any other team in the league, they were decimated by injuries, especially on their offensive line. Right? The Bengals were not decimated on the offensive line until the playoffs. San Diego was decimated on the line in the regular season. And their defense, I think they lost at one point in time eight of their 11 starters at one point in time for an extended stretch. But Herbert, boy, 
I mean, what do you have a twenty-seven point lead at halftime against the Jaguars? Yeah, people don't yeah. talk about that. People no, I mean, don't talk everybody about wants that. to tell me how great the guy is, right? And I know that's only one game, but that was his first playoff game. Yeah, I mean, and we... you blow a twenty-seven. What did Trevor Lawrence throw like four or five picks in the first half of that game? Yeah, and came back to win. <laughs> yeah, people wanted. Trevor Lawrence benched at halftime of that game. That's how bad that was. Yeah. He had four interceptions. It was terrible. It was, and they weren't just interceptions. Weren't they like pick sixes? Oh, horrendous. Straight yes. to the guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. wasn't like a tip ball that, you know, ended up in the DB's hands or whatever. It was, all right, here, you want it? it yeah. It's another wide Chargers, receiver. Do you, I mean, I know Herbert's uber talented. We've seen him throw for yep. 5,000 yards, you know, all that stuff. He won rookie of the year in 2020. Do you have any reservations about re-signing him long-term? He's made the playoffs once and had one of the most embarrassing losses of all time. I'm not saying that a long-term extension is a bad idea because it's not. He's young and super talented. Paying him the same amount of money as a Jalen Hurts, a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, a Josh Allen, when you haven't seen any of that yet, I I don't know. I think the wins have to mean something, and he has none. Yeah, I mean, I guess the conversation, Mm. the most – thing that you could compare it to is actually a player that they had on their team, Phillip Rivers. Who was statistically amazing in San Diego. Exactly. And I and I would say that he's done less. I mean, the time periods are different, right? But at least Phillip Rivers had a 13-3 and team, was a number one seed. Chargers haven't even gotten close to that. So... It, it, that's a tough he's call. Keen, but he's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, too. And Austin Eckler's put up 20 touchdowns in back-to-back years. So it's not like you can knock his weapons. The, the defense, they traded for Khalil Mack. Asante Samuel's been great. The Chargers have one of the best lineups in the league, offense and defense. And, and you're eking into the playoffs. And you're, I mean, you're well, in but in with, fairness now, in, in fairness, when they got in the playoffs last year, Herbert, for a lot of the years, playing with busted-up ribs. Yep. Got to give it up to the guy for it's that. True. He kept playing. The wide receiver gets hurt in a meaningless game, Williams, when he shouldn't have even been playing. Correct. Right? Last game uh, of the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's even bigger questions to talk about the Chargers organization as a whole. Yeah. You know, I mean, the amount of talent they had. I mean, they had the number one offense and the number one defense in the same season and missed the playoffs because they had the worst special teams group in the league. What was that, 2010, 2011? You can't do that. This has become from quarterback to quarterback, from roster to roster, from star running back LaDainian Tomlinson to star running back Austin Eckler, they have the same exact issues over a decade now. I think they need to take a big step back and really think of themselves as an organization. When, when Brandon Staley comes in for an introductory, uh, introductory press conference and he says, we don't want to chargers this anymore, you can't be using that as a verb for messing up around their own, your own facilities. you, you got to look at this from a much bigger angle. And, you know, they hired Kellen Moore as their off, offensive coordinator this offseason. I think that will help. I, you know, he did good things with Dak. I know he turned the ball over a lot, but that offense looked pretty good with Kellen Moore at the helm in, in Dallas. So maybe that gives Herbert a chance, but yeah, I mean, but I don't know. I, I think waiting for him this year, giving him a chance to, to really show you what he has before you lock him down is what I would do with Herbert. Yeah. And this is their year, by the way, like they, Correct. they, they have to get it done this year because they kind of mortgage some of their future a little bit. They have a lot of just backloaded contracts. Um, so, I mean, if they don't get it done this year, they're not going to have the same talent moving forward. This is like their time, a lot like other teams, right? We talk about um, like how this could be the Bengals' time this year and um, other teams like the 49ers and whatnot. But still, the Herbert thing and him talking about maybe sitting out, 
I mean, to me, that's preposterous. You've got to play. Like, you, you've not shown besides winning rookie of the year, and he might not have even won that if Joe Burrow didn't get hurt. I mean, that was the easiest part. That was the hard part of their schedule, his rookie season, and then he gets hurt on the easy stretch. So, I don't know. I, uh, I, I am not a fan of Herbert wanting to sit out. That is not something that I think is uh, showing of a good leader. And maybe that's just the organization, right? I mean, just like Jacob said, if the organization is not shown to have good leadership and they continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, you know, maybe it's a character thing. Well, that whole thing is such a shame out there, the way it all played out with uh, the Chargers leaving San Diego. And, I mean, I know that's old news. But, but at the end of the day, you know, look, um, the Spanos family has owned the team since the start. Um, couldn't work out a deal in San Diego to stay there. It was a shame. Uh, it was a, one of the worst stadiums. I mean, to go watch a game, it wasn't a bad place. But when you look, you're looking for the revenue in, in the suites, skyboxes, all that kind of thing. It was built to play baseball and football. Padres and Chargers there forever together. Padres get a new stadium. Chargers don't. They're, they're like the stepchild up there in L.A., at least the way it was presented to the public, right, where the Rams were the lead dog and their connection to L.A., Orange County. Um, but, man, they um, – Herbert is not – I'm not saying he won't be better in the long haul. But if you're going to, to make a decision on uh, wh what's going to happen here w with his contract compared to the others, he's not had the postseason success that Jalen Hurts had last year with Philly, right? He's not had the regular season success, forget the postseason, of Lamar Jackson. Burrow has five postseason wins on a far bigger rebuild then Herbert has had, which is none, zero wins in the postseason um, with the Chargers. So, I mean, if you're the Chargers, you're sitting there saying, okay, well, is there a number where we say, <laughs> nope, we're not going beyond it? Is he going out over the air again? Uh, no. Okay. We are waiting on um, – Jason Lane to join us from, uh, or Matt Lane to join us from Kansas City here in just a minute. Uh, Ronnie says he can hear his mic still talking to. Uh, oh, that's probably because it's coming through online. Yeah. We're, oh, okay. we're, we sit we're really close. Yeah. Together. Okay. All right. Um, Killer Cam, best part of the show is when Tom realized who Margot Robbie was. It's true. That was, a good yeah, moment. That was the best part of my day when I realized who Margot Robbie was. <laughs> when I clip that out later, that's going to go viral, Tom. That's, that was a good that's moment. That's going to go viral. That was a good moment. My wife doesn't like me very much already. <laughs> Tell her okay, to maybe, stay off Twitter today. Maybe I won't. It's probably not a good idea, especially considering she just got stung by a bee earlier today. No. That'd no. be like getting stung again. So I have been stung by ground bees when I was working in landscaping, and it ants? went no ground bees. <laughs> ground bees? Yeah, they they nest in the ground. 
And you sounded awful. It went, like up, it went up my arm into my sleeve and started stinging me like I had 10 stings from the same like wasps, ground bee, right up my arm. Casey versus the animal kingdom is just an all time <laughs> battle. <laughs> Yeah. Well, is. most of the time, it's not a it, it's not a good formula for Mother Nature. No, that's been documented. Um, I I got eaten alive yesterday. I don't know if it was cutting the grass or taking the dog through a walk through the, some trails. My lord! There First are, time all year long, got bit everywhere. I, there are bugs I don't I don't mess with. Bees and wasps are one of them. If I see a bee or a wasp, I grab a bat and I go swinging. I'm, I. Those things, I, I hate them, Tom. I hate them. I'll, 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 my, if a productive day, that was a good stutter there. A productive day for me would be if I go take an aluminum bat and I just destroy 50 bees. You know what's horse flies. I was, I was horse at a, flies are bad, I was, Tom. I was at a horse pool yesterday, and I was trying to sit there and just listen to the Reds game on my phone. You know, I'm just listening to a nice old radio call of the game, enjoying a nice day in the sun. I guess you got a horse fly just flying around. Brutal. It ruins your day. Ruins your day. All right. Matt Lane doesn't ruins want to hear Ruins your day. A horse fly? A horse fly. <laughs> well, yeah, when you're trying to sit there and just have, just not worry about anything, you got to worry about a horse fly stinging you. Matt Lane, you, you, you're far bigger than that, aren't you, from a, from a mental standpoint where a, a, a horse fly is <laughs> not going to ruin your day? Listen, I live on a little bit of a farm. Um, it takes a little bit more than a horse fly to, to, to ruin my day at this point in time. Kind of had to get used to it pretty quickly after moving out here. All right, Matt, from the Kansas City Sports Network. Uh, listen, um, you know, here in Cincinnati, and it's the same in Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City's had the last laugh, if you will. Bengals beat them two years ago in the championship game. They, they've gotten them in the regular season a couple of times. Chiefs win last year, go on to win the Super Bowl. And they've won it twice in, in, what, the last four years, right? So, you know, but, but now camp opens up. And, and the Chiefs started a little earlier than some others. Um, all well within the rules, but they, they've already gotten this thing going. The Chris Jones thing is a big deal. How long does this go on? Or, I mean, is there any end in sight? So, I mean, from the team perspective, they still have him under contract this year. He's not being underpaid for a single season, right? Like, he's due quite a bit of money this year. So, like, I don't – from the team side, there is not, I guess, like a hard wall of we have to get this done by this point in time unless he really is willing to start missing games. And I highly doubt that because, like, that is when he does actively start, you know, missing game checks and stuff like that. So – I don't know if there's a, a hard out to any of these negotiations or anything like that. It's just, uh, it is a big deal though. Cause I mean, like as you're going, he's going into the last year of his deal, the way this defense has shaped up, especially on the defensive line or just throughout the whole thing, they don't have a lot of guys to kind of step in and replicate or fill in for Chris Jones shoes, whether it's this year, next year, whatever it may be. So it, it's the number one storyline that I think uh, all of us Chiefs fans are talking about right now. You know, I haven't read much, uh, Matt, uh, uh, many comments from Andy Reid or the general manager or Mr. Hunt, for that matter, the owner. Um, I, I guess it's just, just part of the business, and they're kind of taking it all in stride, and we'll worry about it way down the road because we know who Jones is as a player. Yeah, 
And so with the way the Chiefs kind of work, right, they they have gotten under the new owner, not ownership, but like a GM with Brett Veach, uh, Brant Tills, the cap, the money guy guru there. They've kind of changed their persona. They don't like to overpay guys. They have done a pretty good job of drawing a hard line in the sand with guys that are up for extensions, guys that are up for resigning or free agents they try to lure in. They've been pretty, pretty strict in kind of setting their guidelines or their boundaries and not crossing it. And it gets really tricky for them when you're talking about an older player. So I mean, Chris Jones is 29 years old now, which isn't old, but for them, that's pretty old to give substantial money to. They really haven't paid any player of that age a big contract. They don't like to pay big money to guys that are going into their 30s. So it'll be interesting to track going forward. Uh, a few years ago, they very clearly were interested in Trent Williams, who was an older player, but that's the only guy I can think of under this you know, particular set of uh, general manager that they've really tried to bring in that's been at Chris Jones' age or older. Um, you know, speaking of, speaking of, um, of players and Kansas City stars, what, what has been the reaction – of Orlando Brown Jr. coming to the Bengals. I mean, if it was any other team, right, you're bummed because you lost him, right. but you lost him to the Bengals. What's the feeling uh, like about that? It, it's hard uh, because Chiefs fans are always, especially with him going to the Bengals, they're going to put on this mask that, oh, we never thought Orlando Brown Jr. was any good. He yep. was a problem for us. He's not any good. Now the Bengals have him. Ha ha, we're going to laugh. But realistically, I mean, like he was – at bare minimum, no matter what you feel about his style of tackle play, he was a plus to good you know, left tackle in the NFL. He was very important for the Chiefs. They lose him, and then he goes to a rival team to which I personally think he his style of play is going to fit Joe Burrow and that offense even better than it did in Kansas City. So, yeah, it hurts that they lost him. I don't ever know if he was uh, the best fit in their offensive system. I just think that some of his limitations, given his size – didn't mesh great with everything else they asked, but it was clearly good enough that it worked. But I just think that him going to their probably biggest rival right now, that one stings. That one stings pretty big. Um, talk about the, the – I guess we're going to learn more about it uh, later, about Kadarius Tony yesterday. He's fielding punts in practice, injures his knee, has to leave. Uh, concern or – no, this is fine. Oh, that, Kadarius Tony in health, concern. I didn't, even before anything happened, big concern because they're they're putting a lot on his plate right now. They lost Juju Smith-Schuster, and lost is, I guess, a loose term. Um, they didn't really want to even compete with what the Patriots were offering, and I think internally they were unsure about how reliable his health was going to be moving forward, but that also places a lot of pressure on a guy like Kadarius Toney or Marquez Valdez-Scantling to just take a step up from what they were able to do last year and replace you know who was their leading wide receiver – and then Kadarius Tony, throughout, you know, he's played one season in the past seven years going back to college where he's played the full season. And now he's with the Chiefs. He's already hurt in training camp. And while this injury is probably nothing, it's probably just a precaution. His history tells us that we have to be concerned anytime he gets dinged up. And we haven't even taken plays yet. They haven't even put on pads yet. And he's already having to leave practice early. So, like, that's not a good sign. You know, I, I'm curious if you could answer this question for me because, you know, th th this is the, the hot-button topic yeah. for Bengals fans right now. And that is they know they're going to have to sign Burrow. They know they have Higgins up in a year. They know they have Jamar Chase up in a year. 
Okay, everybody around here are naturally. Fans are fans, and God bless them. They, they want everybody around. But it's going to be impossible yep. to keep anybody around, everybody around, unless something gives. What have the Chiefs been able to do because they let Tyree Kill walk out the door, Smith-Schuster walk out the door, whoever it might be. Kelsey's hung around. They brought in some guys, giving them a chance, like Tony from other places, and they continue to win. What have they been able to do that they would not have been able to do if they re-signed, say, Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes? So I, the Chiefs are great for this exact thing. So I think you can go back to 2019 when they won the Super Bowl. And coming out of that, they had to pay a lot of guys. So, you know, Mahomes got money. Um, Tyreek Hill ended up getting a new contract, I believe, that offseason. Now there was some off-field stuff. So maybe he got they got a deal on him. Kelsey had a new deal. Chris Jones had his deal that he's currently on signed then. So they signed a bunch of guys after that first Super Bowl and they, a lot of money. And they kept all the main players. The problem is they were a very thin team. The depth of the team was lacking, and you kind of saw in 2020 when, yes, it was a lot of injuries, but they didn't have the backups to fill in the injuries that you get in an NFL season, so that kind of cost them. What they've done since with the losing of Hill and maybe not signing in so many massive contracts to the offensive line like they had at the time with Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, they have been able to add more depth to this team. The team's a lot deeper. If they do suffer an injury, they do have quality bodies to come in into their place and, you know, fulfill when it's a long, long season anymore. So they now have the depth. And then furthermore, without Tyreek Hill's big contract out there on there, they've been able to add guys like a Drew Tranquil or, you know, a wide receiver room that maybe lacks top-end talent, but they have seven, eight guys that I think they would feel confident making their roster. I just don't think they had depth like that or they didn't have these – I don't want to call them impact players, but these role players that can make a big impact on any given game, like bringing in a Charles O'Minihue or bringing in a Drew Tranquil, I think those guys are all going to make an impact, and they wouldn't be able to do it if they had to pay that big wide receiver bill at the same time. Yep. Yeah, it's a big, big point of debate in and around here. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for checking in with us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you guys for having me on. I always appreciate it. And uh, I, I can't wait to the, the two teams to go square off again, probably for the first of two times yet again uh, later in this year. Let's hope that's a deal. Although yeah. we got to play one of those championship games here in Cincinnati, I think, sooner or later. We don't, we don't allow that. No, we don't allow that. No, it's got to go. That's, that's the other thing. It's got to go there. Okay. All right. Thanks for the time, Matt. You know, that, that's an interesting <laughs> thing. You, he, you know, he's talk guys, this is where we get into this whole thing about the, the Higginson. And somebody asked in the chat, there is no way I am signing Higgins and Chase. There's no way. You will watch so much of your team start to get depleted. If you're paying two wide receivers 20 to $25 million a year and a quarterback between 50 and $60 million a year. That's a hundred and what, what, 25, 25, right? Okay. You're looking at 110, 115, $120 million of your salary cap, which is what, 260, somewhere in that range? I know it's going up this year. Yeah, but it's I'm going not sure up. What the number is. But th 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 there's no way you can do it. Well, there, there's a way you can do it. You can make it work. But if yes, you want the DJ readers, if you want, just start. Lining them up, Logan Wilson, if you want, um, you know, Hilton to come back on a good deal, you want a Wouzier to come back on a good deal, 
You want to PL, you know, Karras and those guys, they're now entering the second year of a contract, right? Okay, and they're getting a little older. You can't keep all those guys together and field a great team. Some people think that's sacrilegious saying that. I think you can. I don't think it's easy, but I think you can. You just have to draft well. You have to be able to draft corners. You have to be able to draft interior D linemen. You have to be able to draft a running back every four years. Like you're not re-signing a running back with those two guys. You're not making. You're not re-signing Tyler Boyd to a four-year deal. No. You're. You know. You're drafting the Charlie Joneses to go for four years. You let them walk at the end of their rookie deal. You draft another wide receiver three, and that's a sustainable model if Jamar Chase and T Higgins can keep this up for the duration of their contracts. I think. But yeah. they have to be this good the entirety of their contracts. Yeah, and I think. I think the, uh, the, the, the game that you have to play is what is the easiest to draft at the, high round, or at the higher parts of the first round, right? What's easier to draft at the lower rounds? Like it, it, the Bengals have done a really good job as of late, in my opinion, at finding positional value at the rounds that, they, that they're slotted in, right? They go get Dax Hill at 31, uh, two years ago. That was really good value. This year, Miles Murphy at 29 or 20, Eight. 28. Really good value for where he was projected at. Um, and the, the, the position makes sense. DJ Turner end. was a first round pick. Yeah, in a lot DJ of Turner, a corner in the second round. That low, he probably should have gone earlier. Um, we'll see how he plays this year, but those were all very smart moves. And those start to add up over time. Um, in the past, I think Bengals' draft was really based on need, and they've gotten they've caught up to a point where they can draft for the future, and that's where you want to try to get at and sustain really good play on the field. So that's you got to give them credit for what they've done so far. Um, getting guys like Logan Wilson in the third, Jermaine Pratt a couple years before that. Um, it, the the mystery has just been the offensive line. They can't figure out how to how to draft offensive yep. line. They they've pretty much figured out everything else up to this point, if you ask me. Um, so, I mean, for the Bengals to sign Higgins and Jamar Chase, I do agree with you. I don't think it's smart to put sixty plus million in just two players on the same position. But I think they can do it, especially when in 2024 the projected cap space goes up another 20, 25 plus million. Yeah, in, 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 this year it's around 225. Next year it goes up to 250, and goes up the year after that too. Yeah, and that that all that all ties into their big plan. And uh, I think I think they can get it done, but it's going to be close. It's going to be tight. <laughs> we're not we're not talking with any wiggle room. There's gonna yeah. they're gonna have to be precise. And I think if you, if you look around the league, the Patriots built their dynasty. Tom Brady didn't have a plethora of weapons. He had Gronk, right? Patrick Mahomes, the dynasty that's being built in Kansas City, he has Travis Kelsey, generational tight end. But I mean, you look at you look at who they have to throw to, right? Edelman was not Edelman wasn't a great receiver. Brady he was elevated a quarterback. the game. Uh huh. He was a quarterback coming out. Correct. I, I think I, I think having two superstar talents like this on the offensive side of the ball it's not the formula for success as we've seen in, in in new england and in kansas city i mean i'm looking at the super bowl the super bowl box score right now juju smith juju smith schuster is the second leading receiver after that it's 
Justin Watson, Jarek McKinnon, Noah Gray, Kadarius Tony. Like, they don't have a, a plethora of weapons. The Chiefs still are able to win a Super Bowl because they can allocate funds elsewhere. I, I, I think Tom is right. I don't think you pay T. Higgins. But to Jacob's credit, if you can do it and do it in a way where it doesn't just destroy the, the rest of the team, you have to at least try. The other thing I think we need to talk about is when we signed DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, Chidobia Wuzier, Mike Hilton, they were lower tier free agents. And when they came here, they bought into the culture and they have exceeded their expectations tenfold. Yep, agreed. If we can continue to hit on that level of free agent, I'm not saying they're all going to be 14 and a half Trey Hendrickson, 14 and a half sack Trey Hendrickson guys or top five in the corner, top five corner in the AFC Chidobia Wuzier. But if you can hit on that middle tier, lower tier free agent and get them to be consistent contributors, especially on your defense, it works. Yep. You, you lock in that core, you have the best offense in the league for five years, and it works. Yeah. And but so you have to hit. Let me ask you this, because uh, one of you guys was telling me you were looking, I can't remember who it was, one of you guys was telling me a couple weeks ago that an article was written about who was the better player when the other one wasn't on the field. Yep. Right? I think it was you who was telling me about it. I think it was it. actually Paul. Paul about yeah. like when – so in other words, there were games this year and plays this year where Chase would be on the field and Higgins would not. Flip that around, times when Higgins is on the field, Chase was not. Higgins had much better numbers and the offense had much better numbers when Higgins was on the field than when, and Chase wasn't than vice versa. Is it a slam dunk that you keep Chase over Higgins if you have to pick one or the other? I, think, I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think dunk. it is because I think keeping Jamar Chase helps you keep Joe Burrow. I think letting Jamar – I know the years are, are flipped. Jamar comes after Burrow. But if you consciously pick T. Higgins and let Jamar Chase walk, I think that is detrimental to the relationship with Joe Burrow. I, I think Jamar Chase is significantly better. I also agree with that. I don't think it's even close. Significantly? Sig significantly. Jamar Chase is Athletic the top five receiver in the league. Yeah, athleticism athleticism puts him far far and beyond T. Higgins. And I think T. Higgins is phenomenal. But yeah, and we joke about it, but like the mad rank is like not a lot of people are thinking T. Higgins is a number one guy, which is not a knock on him. There's a role for a number two wide receiver. I think T. Higgins is a number one receiver in various markets and various teams in the NFL, just not on this one because Jamar Chase is here. Is that a slam dunk for you? Yeah, I, I, I think Jamar Chase is, is the number one guy, and I think that's the one that they should focus on. Um, T. Higgins, to me, he is a number one in multiple markets, but you can't, it, it's tough. You got to spread the ball. Like, you can't necessarily go 50 50 all the time, right? Like, sometimes Chase has got the better matchup. Sometimes That's T. Higgins right. has got the better matchup. It just, it's so uh, intricate. And, um, you know, I think they do a really good job when they're both on the field, honestly. I think when you have both of them, you know you're going to have the best opportunity to get the best looks, to create other opportunities for other lesser talent, which, let's be very clear, it was T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and I'm, I'm not even going to include Tyler Boyd on this, and Joe Mixon, and that was pretty much the offense. Everyone else was very low talent level, and they were picked up significantly by both of those guys being on the field. As soon as one of those guys was off the field, you see what happens in the championship game. With T. Higgins it, and Jamar Chase on the field, we were talking about Trenton Irwin as a legitimate wide receiver three for about three weeks. Well, that's yeah. why they got Jones. Like, 
Right. No, I know. But I'm yeah. saying yeah. the amount of tension those two guys can take away from that third receiver, you don't – as much as I love Tyler Boyd and what he's done for this team in his time here, you don't need a guy like Tyler Boyd as your third receiver. You just don't. You can, you can survive with worse third options with those two guys because they take so much attention they do. from the back end. They do. All right, do we have a uh, cherry on top today, boys? Because we have to get shortly here to yeah. a box to lunch. Yeah, we do. I just sent it to Casey. So this is more of a, it's more of a story than it, is a, uh, than it is a cherry on top, I guess, with like a video. This is more of a sports story, but I just wanted to talk about it here to end the show. Okay. Casey, run it. We talked about this uh, off the air before the show started. I think you were still coming back in here into the room. So, Tom, this is Mbappe, one of the probably the, the best soccer player in the world right now. Um, he was just offered $1.1 billion. B is in boy. For one year. For one year. For one year. At a Saudi league? A th yes. $332 million on the transfer fee and a $776 million salary. That $776 million salary is more than the entire salary of the MLS. Oh, by far. By, by far. By, by far. Hey, that's pretty good work if you can get it. Billion. <laughs> 1. 1.1 keep throwing away, throwing around that oil cash. Nothing like oil cash, Tom. No, there's nothing there's like nothing oil like cash. Oil nothing. Cash. Could you imagine having a trillion dollars, Tom? A tr they have how many trillions do they have? It's absurd. How rich do you think the richest person in the world is? The it's richest. It's a number you can find. No, yeah, there's, 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 no, there's the no chance. Saudi you, Arabia. Yeah, there's no chance you could find that number. There's zero chance you can find that number. The richest person in the world does not exist to us human beings. That person lives in some penthouse. Or some some house somewhere that's not just a quick Google search. It's away. the only no house no you on can't find that. Yeah, you yeah, can't find that. There's no way you can find that number. There's no chance. It, you, what you're saying taxes. is you can't find that real number. Yeah, yeah, real number. Yeah, because like I mean, you can have all could, kinds of Forbes can print the hundred wealthiest people in the world. Yeah, and the Prince of Saudi Arabia will be number one, and you'll eventually get to your, you know, Gates and Buffets and all those guys, right? Yeah, but 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 and and Musk or whatever. But Gates else. and Musk have have they don't have liquid value. They have stock. They have value of their companies that they have built. You know, they have. I like, think they got some liquid value. Yeah, but their but <laughs> but their liquid value is not bigger than oil money. No, nothing's because, bigger than oil money. Because the oil money is all they. That's why they can afford to do this stuff. And it just keeps coming. And out it of just the yeah. That's yeah. right. Adam Silver said they've closed the any loophole for as of right now. No Saudi investment fund can get into the NBA. They, that, that but was that's about. But the Chinese system. thing is about to go to Congress. That is going to be. I said a year ago, the most fascinating story in a calendar year was going to be the Bally Sports thing. The most fascinating story over the next six months is going to be when Adam Silver is called in front of Congress to talk about the Chinese. That is going to be a huge story, sports story in this country, because it's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. You can mark it down. Just keep an eye out, boys and girls. All right. Uh, where is everybody? Who's doing box lunch Reed's today? coming in here as soon as we do the transition. Yeah, we do this. Because we don't have a chair for him. Yeah. Oh, and I need to get out of this chair. That's right. That's right. 
Okay. Um, I am not going to see any of you again until Friday. I got to drive my daughter. We've been down this road before. I got to drive my daughter down to Texas tomorrow. Uh, and so um, be back Friday. Uh, and by then, where will the Reds be? Quick prediction. When I get back here Friday after Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, off day Thursday for the Reds, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Milwaukee, they're a half game out of first right now. Paul, where, where will they be? I say they are, uh, when you get back, are the Brewers playing on Thursday? They are not. Let's just pretend they're not. They are not. I'm going to say the Reds are a game and a half up. Over the Brewers. Over the Brewers. So that's two so and one. you're saying three-game sweep. Or three-game. Yeah. No, two-game sweep. Or two, no. two and one. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, half game up. Half game up then. Right. Half, they, gain, they, gain, they gain a game. They okay. gain a game. Two out of three. Casey? I'm going to say the same thing. Okay. Two out of three. Men? Two out of three. Reds lose two of three. Yeah. So what does that put us game at? Game and a half back. Game and a half back. I'm going to stick with Elliott. Uh, I'm sticking with that one too. Okay. All right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's a huge series because and, – and, and look, they just keep on getting big because – it's the Dodgers after that, and correct me if I'm wrong, after that, it's the Cubbies. Yep. Who all of a correct. sudden have won three in a row, and they're six out of the wild card. We swept them with a much worse team a couple months ago. Okay. All right. We'll see how it goes. All right. Time for Mark's lunch. Here we go.